Amen, amen indeed. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. And it is uh, very appropriate, those words that we were singing together, even when, I can't remember the words now, but whatever they were, whatever that bridge was, it was really powerful. And, uh, you know, they're right here. I'm, I'm going to cheat. Hold on. We're going we're gonna to get there. Waymaker. Even when I don't see you, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. We're gonna, the story that we're digging in today um, is going to really remind us of that reality, that God is who He says He is, that Jesus is who He says He is all the time, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, even when we feel like we're not worth it. Jesus is who He says He is all the time. And as we begin this morning, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start with the passage that we're going to be looking through this morning. The story of the transfiguration. We're going to get there. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 13 and kind of walk our way there a little bit into the story of the transfiguration, this incredible experience that Peter, James, and John had with Jesus on the mountaintop. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that day on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. 
His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Jesus is God made flesh. The power of the presence of God actually living among us. The heart of our Creator come to be with us. To walk with us, to talk with us, to show us how deep His love for us truly is. Amen. It is a wonderful thing to know the love of God, to know Jesus. And to know the purpose and fullness of life that we are made for. That we are made to live and to share. What a gift. This morning we're going to be continuing our journey this year to understand what it means to live in and to be the sacred presence of God in the world. To know and understand the power of the presence of God and what He is calling us into. The spiritual reality we inhabit in this world that we are distracted from and blind to in so many ways. The spiritual nature of the people around us and the things that are happening around us. That there is so much more than the flat life that we can so easily fall into. That God is real. His Spirit is real. His presence is real. And He wants us to see, to know, to understand that He is here. That we were created by Him and for Him to glorify Him and enjoy His presence every moment of every day. That He is not far away or distant from us, but part of our very being. Born in our hearts, we are made in His image. And the life we live is in connection to Him, sustained by Him, blessed by Him, given by Him. We are His children. Every single person on earth and His love for us knows no limit. And He is calling us, calling you to help people see Him too. Who He is. What he has done. It's an amazing call, this kind of purpose for our life. It's deep, it's profound and humbling. It's maybe even overwhelming, but we're not alone. He is with us, and he has given us each other the church, the power of the presence of God alive in each of us together. And it's all rooted. In Jesus. 
It's been an amazing journey exploring what this sacred calling looks like. And I'm getting more and more excited too for the fall and the things that God is is leading us toward, the things He's preparing for us and inviting us into. And that's so far away yet, but there's so much coming. We're not even at Easter yet. And then we got another series after that. And Pastor Scott is preparing for the summer series. It's going to be amazing there too, the things that God's speaking to him. There's so much more for us to be digging into coming yet, but this This idea of sacred presence is something that God is going to be working in us for a long time yet. There's so much for us to understand within this. And he's already starting again to put things together within this idea for next year, for the fall. And it's fun to see God speaking and moving and the conversations I'm having with people and the ways he's working in people's lives as we walk through these things together. God is alive and he's moving and he's inviting you into this journey, into the sacred, to explore and understand your place and your role in His kingdom, His power alive in you. This morning, we're going to be taking another small step on that path of the power of the presence of God, looking at the stories of the power of God made real in the world, His presence revealed among us that we can see His presence here today. We started in the Old Testament, these amazing stories of God moving in the world through His chosen people. But last week, we stepped into the New Testament, into the story of Jesus and then the church. And we looked at the story of the baptism of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's presence upon Him in power. And we saw how His life is the example, the model for our lives too, fully filled and led by the Spirit. Just like he was. He only said what his father told him to say. He only did what his father gave him to do. And the reality that he has called us to do even greater things than what he did. Because he was going to the father and sending his spirit to live and work in us. His church. Together. Spreading the gospel and making disciples and baptizing in his name. A pretty big start. It was a pretty big deal to this whole idea. But today we come to this story. Later in Jesus' journey, the story of the transfiguration. The glory of God revealed in the person of Jesus. The veil between heaven and earth pulled back to reveal the nature of Jesus. Peter, James, and John standing in the spirit of Moses, seeing the glory of God revealed before their eyes and the promise held in Jesus that He is enough because He is God. This story is amazing because we have to walk through it from the perspective, through the eyes of the disciples, through the eyes of these three men that were there. They had been living with Jesus for the last three years. We've talked many times in different stories, looking at different parts of Scripture, how difficult it can be for us to understand the amount of time that passes in Scripture. 
We read these stories in the Gospels or anywhere in the Bible and they're bunched right together. One verse right after the other, one passage to another, one chapter to the next. Jesus is going here and then there and then here and then back again, having conversations back to back to back, miracles and then teaching and then a parable and then an argument with the Pharisees. And it all feels like it happens really fast. So immediately... We so easily lose sight of the fact that there can be days or weeks or even months between some of these stories. Some of the things were connected moments, feeding one into the other, but so many of these stories happened with huge gaps in between where there were all kinds of other things happening, other teaching that we don't have. Maybe other miracles that we don't have written down. Other conversations with people that we don't know about. All of these important things going on. But at the same time, amid all of this activity, all these busy times, there were huge amounts of time for nothing. Just even traveling. Have you ever tried to walk somewhere? It's the worst. Ugh. It takes forever. Maybe I'm revealing a little bit about my attitude towards exercise. Do be in good shape. It's important for your health. Do those things. But Jesus walked everywhere. Him and his disciples. And if you just add up the stories we have written down... And remember that John said that there's so much more that Jesus said and did and that we don't, that he didn't have time. He said, fill all the libraries of the world if you recorded everything that Jesus did. But just the stuff we have written down, if you add up just his travels from the stories we have and you put them in order and you kind of go around, Jesus walked almost 5,000 kilometers during his ministry. Just imagine how much time that is. Just walking. How long that is. Ikea is about 30 kilometers away. It would take you about five hours to walk there. Calgary is a little under 300 kilometers away from here. It would take you about 54 hours straight to walk there. If you were walking, say, 12 hours a day, it would take you almost five days to walk to Calgary. That's a long time. If you were, I mean, Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, was super close to Jerusalem, and he did ministry kind of between those places, about eight kilometers from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. They're really close to each other. Even that's a two-hour walk for Jesus to get to the temple in Jerusalem. Nazareth was up about 140 kilometers north of Jerusalem. Take about 29 hours, about a three-day's journey to get from Jerusalem to Nazareth. That's a long time. It's a huge amount of time just walking. So all these exciting and amazing stories we have while Jesus was in these places, how much was happening between these places? And how much nothing was happening as they journeyed along? And it's hot, and you're tired, and it's dusty, and you're thirsty, and you're walking and you're walking, and you're walking. What was that like? 
What was that like for those disciples? What was that experience like? How boring was it to be with Jesus? Are we allowed to ask that? Maybe it was just always intense and exciting and passionate and powerful all the time somehow, but I kind of doubt it. That's not how life works. And that is a long time, 29 or 30 hours, 50 hours, whatever, how long. That's a long time for Jesus to just be on all the time with his disciples. Walking from Jericho to Nazareth, through the backcountry into Samaria, through Jordan, back to Jerusalem, here and there and everywhere, here for a few days, there for a few moments, days and days and days. What was that like for those disciples to be with Jesus all the time for years? And again, these stories we read are so interesting and so exciting, but there is so much happening between them and also, again, so much nothing. And you're Peter and John and you see a miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. The calming of the storm. The dead raised to life. And then it's a 29-hour hike over three days back up to Nazareth because that's where Jesus needs to go next. How do you square that? How do you see that? What does this do to your understanding of who Jesus is when you see His power and authority and then you see Him exhausted? Sitting beside the campfire after hours of ministry to thousands of people and then a 50-kilometer hike on the way to the next place. To see Jesus feel cold, famished, laughing and joking sometimes with his friends, quiet and contemplative, maybe sad sometimes as the people he was trying to reach just didn't get it. Again. Does Jesus start to become just some guy? Another dude? Just a man? How do you process your journey with him when you see these things the highs and the lows, the impossible and the boring, the power and the pain? Because that's where we come to today, and we see all of it right here in these stories that we read, just in the chapters leading up to this. Look at the stories that were leading up to this. Jesus feeds the 5,000, just a few verses before this. And then he walks on water. And then we see the faith of the Canaanite woman, and then Jesus feeds the 4,000. And then he has a huge debate with the Pharisees, and after all this, it's not clear how much time has passed here. Again, is it over months or weeks or days or is this right all one after the other? But they've seen these things happen just in this order. And then Jesus asks them this question, who do you say I am? You've seen these amazing things. You've heard my teaching and you've seen all the in-between who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are 
the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. They got it. At least... Kind of. They said the thing, and that matters. They saw and they knew who Jesus was. He was the Messiah. They saw what He was, at least enough. But at the same time, they still didn't get it. They still didn't understand what His power truly means, what they said truly means because of what He was going to allow to happen, what he was going to do, because Jesus starts then to tell them things about what was going to happen to him, what he was going to allow to happen to him, and they just couldn't accept it. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He told them exactly what was going to happen. But Peter doesn't like it. Peter takes him aside and he begins to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And, Pete, and Jesus pushes back. Ten, turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but the concerns of men. And here we see it, that Peter still didn't get it. He had said the thing. He was the one who responded. But Jesus was still also the guy he had seen tired and sore on all those long walks, all those journeys between ministry. And he didn't understand. He couldn't accept that Jesus was in control of this too. Until Jesus showed him the truth. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as the light. And there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. They're watching this happen. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and Elijah. And while he was still speaking, God clearly interrupting him and telling him to just hush up for once. A bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. 
listen to him. Same message that we heard last week at his baptism. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came up and touched them and said, get up. Do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. These men experienced something beyond what we can understand. What we can imagine. For all of our superhero movies and fantasy movies and Gandalf returning and Superman descending surrounded by sunlight or whatever we can imagine. We cannot comprehend what it would mean to be there, to see that for real. To see the face, the presence of God. For just a moment they saw what Jesus truly is. They saw the power of the presence of God become real before their very eyes. And the most profound part of all of this is that it meant that it had always been there. Even when they couldn't see that every moment they had been with Jesus, this vision had been true the whole time. The light of God had been shining at every miracle, through every teaching, in every conversation, and on every long and exhausting and boring journey. This is what had been around them always. It's hard for us to live there, to see. Because our journey is so often the same as those disciples. So much of our life is boring, normal. We work, we buy groceries, we got to go pick someone up from the airport. We're busy. We've got responsibilities and obligations, our kids, our parents, our friends, our world. We have to walk so far all the time. and We just have to keep walking and keep walking. And the journey is long and it can be exhausting. And there's moments when God stands out, but so much of life is just continuing to walk forward. Hours and hours and days and days and we can get bored and we can get tired and we can get selfish and irritable and other people can become too much to deal with. And even if we're with Jesus, we can forget what he is, who he is, what he means. He can become normal to us. Another thing we have to deal with in this huge list of things we have to deal with, and we can even forget that he's in control like Peter did. That he actually has a plan, that he actually knows what he's doing, that we just have to trust and follow. But we fear and we question. But he is God. 
He is what Peter, James, and John saw him to be. He is who you have known him to be. When you gave your life to him, when you were baptized, when he answered your prayers, he is that. He is God always. As he walks through the normal with us, he is infinite and eternal. He is almighty and all present. He is the very nature of God, the presence of God in himself as a person. The love of God is a person. The power of God is a person. The presence of God is a person. The grace of God is a person. It's all Jesus. And he's inviting us, inviting you to know him, to be with him, to trust him, to follow him, to enjoy relationship with him, to talk to him, to walk with him, to live with him. And as we do, and the more deeply we understand Him, the closer we walk with Him, the more we trust Him, the more we will understand what it means to bring the power of the presence of God into the world and the lives of the people around us. Because it's His presence alive in us, touching the lives of others. Right after this story, the disciples fail to cast a demon out of a boy. They can't do it. And Jesus comes along and he does it and they can't understand why they couldn't. And Peter, James, and John were there. They had just seen this transformation happen, the transfiguration. They had seen the power of God manifest before their very eyes and they immediately fail this spiritual test. Jesus is here with us and He is what He has always been. And we know Him and we walk with Him. But we're not going to be perfect in it. We're not going to always see. We're not going to always get it and do everything right all the time because the disciples didn't either. But if Jesus is truly God and the power of the presence of God is real in Him and He is inviting us to know His presence, then He is enough. Do you know the presence of Jesus in your life? Do you see the power of God alive in Him and living in you, the power of the presence of God made real in Jesus? He's inviting us to see, to see who He is and what He can do. And He's called us to reflect that to others, to show them who He is. Do you see? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You for this story. We thank you for the ways that you show us and help us to see what's really going on. Your presence is alive in the world. Your spirit is here and in Jesus we can be with you in ways more deep and profound than we can begin to understand or imagine. 
Father, we thank you for sending your Son to show us what human life was meant to be and to show us who you are. We thank you for the power and the presence of Jesus. We thank you that you are with us in that way all the time. Even and especially when we don't see. Help us to trust. Help us to live in that knowledge that the power of the presence of God is real and around us all the time. Even when life is normal, even when life is boring, especially when life is hard. When we just can't see. Help us to know that that form, that face shining like the sun, those clothes brighter than light, your presence is here around us, surrounding us, filling us, protecting us, empowering us. Jesus, you are here. We want to embrace that truth, God. Help us to live in that reality. Help us to reflect it to the world around us that they can experience who Jesus is too. In Jesus' name, amen.